space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, are Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And Dr. Squee. Drago! And we are back from Destination Trek, where we spent all of last weekend. I thought you were off to say we spent a house. <laughs> I mean, we, you I mean, it on models earlier. <laughs> yeah, I checked my bar bill and... Um, we, we we spent uh or I, I spent I, I feel I, a suitable amount. I, I spent a cheap second hand car. <laughs> I mean it, it, it's the fact that the guy went off to retire after your last visit to a stall <laughs> and you had shares. I mean it's uh, yeah. Uh yeah, yeah no, I think we, we all um certainly benefited the uh the, we supported local business, let's just put it that way. Trade we most yeah. certainly, certainly did. And we took part in the great Tribble hunt, um, okay. but unfortunately we didn't find the last Tribble until the last day and I forgot my bit of paper, so we didn't hand it in. But, you know, we got the moral victory. To be so, fair, so we, were, just... we also left on the Sunday about lunchtime, so we didn't do the entire last day. For we didn't we actually there to hand it in. <laughs> For anyone who wasn't there, the great Tribble hunt, they had pictures of Tribbles up everywhere with different names on. You had some which were like multiple pictures everywhere, oh, which everywhere. just to begin with, they got us to begin with because there was 10 Tribbles yet to find. And there was like a few super rare. And that is me doing 10 at the moment. But they had 10 Tribbles there. <laughs> and they had a few super rares you could only find in a couple of And rooms. now that the convention's over, we can reveal that the two super rares were in the museum. Uh, That's where they were. There was the Borg Tribble. And whatever the number one tribble was, Tiberius Tribble, I think, was number one, and he was hidden in the museum. There's some the of the ones. Oh, they, there were some of the more common slut tribbles, which were just everywhere. Oh, they were all over the place. Oh, some rooms had th bars. Oh god. Yeah, the bar had like two at the same one, just hanging about. Yeah. Yeah, and the it wasn't a good scene. I did bring one home with me. There we go. And I'm not saying it was from any of these slutty tribbles, but I did come... Well, I've come home, and a couple of days later, I've been sent home from work with COVID. Make your own deductions as you will. Yeah, there we go. Tribbles. you got to be careful. And I sent um, it home with Elliot. <laughs> no, I've not had it yet. <laughs> so we wanted to just talk a little bit about the convention and basically how, how great it was. Um, first of all, Massive, massive thank you to everyone who came to see us on the Top Trumps panel that we did, that which I won. Um, but the you know it was just so much fun well, hey, and hey, all. Elliot came in joint second with the score person, so I mean that, that was that was quite good. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, all the all the staff and crew and Emma particularly looked after activity room one and looked after us and indulged all our silly questions and everything. <laughs> a absolutely phenomenal. And to a person, the, the staff were just incredible. And overall, as a convention, it, it was great. I don't think we bumped into I, anybody who hadn't had a great time there. I liked, uh, like, last time we did Destination Star 
Star Trek, which is not the same convention. Different event, it's completely the, no connection, and you'd be a that, that was at Yeti, That was at Yeti C. It just wasn't the same as this. This in the hotel was just felt so much nicer of, of seeing people and talking to people. And, yeah. And I mean, what, that going down corridors and, yeah, some things you had to queue for, but the, none of the queues were outrageous. I think longest I queued was 10 minutes for, and added three photo sessions. <laughs> and it's got to be said, I, I didn't go to the, uh, I'd, I'd never been to Destination Star Trek, that very different event, but this event, uh, the Hilton Hotel was absolutely massive, so it wasn't like it was a small event by any means. It was, uh, uh, it was like huge hotel, really well organised. Uh, like you say, everyone was really friendly. And what I really loved about it is, uh, I've been to um, specific Doctor Who conventions as well as general sci-fi. This is my first ever specific Star Trek one, and the one thing I can say for Star Trek, even over my beloved Doctor Who, my my kind of other uh, uh, love as well as Star Trek, is that um, Doctor Who, whereas it's all about friendliness and acceptance, Star Trek has a built into it that it's about a crew. It's about people kind of working together. Mm-hmm. And the atmosphere and feel of that was palpable in this event. I really felt like everyone was just so happy to be there. Everyone was just playing spot all the different uniforms you could find. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like we do boring cosplay because we're all wearing the same things. But man, the amount of stuff for uniforms you've got these days. I was like, yeah. I've forgotten that one even existed because it isn't like one episode <laughs> once, you know. Yeah. It was and great. Like, like, like for one of the first times ever, I was actually quite fashionable because I was work- walking around in lower decks. Uniform, and it looked like everyone had decided lower decks. I think, yeah, if we had to pick one that was the most (laughs) frequent, it it seemed to be lower decks. There were a lot of them really cool Picard field jackets, which I must have asked about 10 different people where they got them, um, trying to find the cheapest place. But I think it's you get what you pay for, and I'm going to have to actually stump up some money if I want one. The one which Um, Oh, sorry, no, I was just going to say, but I, I don't think there was a series that wasn't represented there in a uniform, which was just great to see. Yeah, I think there was. I'm all... going to give a shout out to, uh, like, I thought it was amazing because I saw one guy quite a few times who was dressed as Trelane. And I thought, oh, who's doing the Trelane? Yeah. And I've seen some photos since. There was two Trelanes. Two Trelanes. No one, two Trelanes. That's how, like, down in the details that this event got. It was just amazing. Um, we should talk in some more details, though, about, like, a few of the bits. So, like, like, I think we should I think, one of the, I think one of the other nice things is I think we can generally say we made a lot of new friends as well while we're there. Just Absolutely. People we've never met before just chatting. And you just have, it, like, it is a pure geek out in it that you can just talk about Star Trek for a weekend and everyone's <laughs> on the same wavelength as you <laughs> yeah. yeah uh i i did want to get a bit of detail about uh about the uh retrack panel before we get into yeah that. sure um yeah i mean just uh the fact that first of all we knew going in that uh there was a talk by jess bush um nurse chapel from strange and worlds of course uh on on the other stage uh for 15 quid well to begin with it was meant to be a little bit more money for a, a read-through they made a change so it just be a talk for the 15 quid uh being very careful obviously of the particular rules they were all very careful they did it very professionally but still kind of gave great entertainment but seeing that we're up against from the uh real like you know some of the people from the show were like Okay, are we going to get one person in there? And right up until I think it was like about 15 minutes before, before about, the first person came in, 
And in that 15 minutes, we had about 20 to 30 people. Like, it was a decent yeah. size audience, you know. It's like, not it one of the going to be... We weren't in a huge room. room, so the room... Yeah, the room was full. nicely full. The room was nice and full. Yeah, and definitely. Just, and everyone just took part. It was just so great. And we had, like, uh, I played this uh, Top Trump... It's Star Trek Top Transform. I think we, we might rename it. Well, that, that, we'll get into that in a bit. Like, we renamed features because it gets confused with the card game. Fair enough. Uh, it was just something to initially to launch it. I've played it online yeah. before, though. Having a room just gave such an extra life to it. And we... Um, was just really great we had like a before we've just picked names out of hat for you guys to play like from the different uh star trek worlds and then there's a scenario in another hat this time we had wheels Ooh. and we had a wheel for each star trek tv show one for uh ships one for jeffrey coombs which was a great idea by jim even though we didn't get to play that one um one for Ducat. <laughs> one for Ducat. just just really actually elliot you should you should tell that one because that was that was all you baby where Ducat. Uh, like you'd have heard us talk previously, and we'd done the Make Cardassia Strong again, and we had some hats made. Um, I have got my hat. <laughs> Make Cardassia Strong again, and we had a wheel who'd be the uh, best for president, and it was just all the cats. <laughs> It was so almost also, like we rigged that one. It was almost okay. like we rigged that it one. It was our example one, and the amount of acting I had to do by, hmm, there's something strange upon this wheel. Why are they all do cards? <laughs> uh, yeah, it got a huge reaction. Well, it was a nice, uh, good, fun job. It was good, and it, it allowed us to show off the Mick Cardassia Strong Again hats. But <laughs> yeah, that one we did rig. But I think it's worth telling what happened in the audience participation round just because we, we do, didn't quickly, rig it. I'm going to rename it, all right, guys? Okay, I've got. I agree with you all. I'm, I'm renaming sure it. Uh, all we're seeing is this Facebook user. Uh, I think we might have some new people. If you do go through Facebook, if you give StreamYard permission to see your name, yes, we can then see who you are. Otherwise, it's yeah, it's, StreamYard are re reputable. They don't take any. Yeah, it's not a. Not a dodgy site whatsoever. It's just that the way it works is we, we can only see what platform you're commenting from unless you unless you enable it. So um but yeah. Um so yes, we we you went out to the audience for a round to let the audience come up with a scenario. Yeah. And the scenario that was thrown out was who would be the best characters to convince Janeway not to kill two Vix? Yes. So we loaded up the Voyager board. But you know, I think that was one of the, the ones I put in. Was or no, that was no, no, that was audience. audience. I think that was, uh, okay. was that Alex from Talking Trek? I think oh, that was our friend Alex from sorry. from Trek Talk. Oh, yeah, that was a suggestion. That's even better. And uh, it's going in the pot for next time. So that's <laughs> yeah. a really good one. Um, and then I got. I was given the first character and the wheel spinned and span rather. And I got two Vix. So yeah. I was on the back foot already because oh, he and didn't we thought that do was that funny. well. Yeah. He didn't do that well convincing him not to kill him <laughs> the first time. <laughs> but then I found out who I was up against and it spanned for Elliot and Elliot, you got, I got Jane where <laughs> at this stage, I thought I'd fixed it and I knew I had. <laughs> yeah. And so and what, was that, your, what was your first comment after that, Jim? I I think I that was the quickest point that I conceded because I don't no, no, think no, you, your exact words were 
Well, that's him fucked then. <laughs> I did not say that. That was 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I think we were quite good with language, actually. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair. that's him screwed then. Sorry, it might not have been. Were, yeah, for anyone who... There were a couple of kids at the back, so we were very good with No, that no, language. sorry, you're right. We, we were good. Sorry, just, that's him. For fair. anyone who first encountered us doing that, the language on the podcast tends to get a little bit fruitier at times yeah sorry about that yeah. <laughs> um, um but yes that was a very quickly conceded point i'm afraid we, and we do have to give a shout out to a few people um there was there uh, one of the players was natasha um as we we decided it should be pronounced we had uh of course our friend uh ed zephyr who's our scorer he uh yeah. i just messaged him like a few days before and every time I message someone saying, oh, do you want to take part in the game? And, so, you know, fairly enough, they go, oh, well, what's about, what would I be doing exactly? His only answer was, yeah, sure. Just, I'll see you there. Uh, it was just um, such a good laugh. And and he just got more into it as we went on. Because I, I laid in a few little jokes about, like, um, about him getting reports to HR being Kirk. And there was even uh, in the ship scenario round, which... Uh, which spin away. There was a couple of ship rounds by accident. So there was one which was... Uh, because you guys have come up with a ship's uh, wheel with all the ships on, and I'd done a specific one for the uh, ship scenario round. Uh, so the first time Ed accidentally brought up the ship wheel that we didn't intend to play this time, and uh, and I went, oh, you know what, sod it, let's play it. Let's draw a scenario out of the plat hat, and whatever the scenario is, you've got to justify why one of these starships is best for that scenario. All these, of course, written around people. So we picked, we got one of the audience members to pick one out, and it was who would make the best pond. And I think it was Jim had the protostar. I had the yeah. protostar, which would make the best bond. And the Enterprise G for Elliot. No, actually, See, Bond does work better than most scenarios for that round. Was well, Elliot's right? argument was brilliant that the Enterprise G is used to resuming a very momentous role. Yeah. Uh, I actually, awesome. I would have... Voted... I'm not being, I thought it was really clever because I, I said legacy roles... Exactly. No, I, I would have. I would have voted for you in that one, Elliot. That uh, I have your, to your argument was about writing. all the gadgets, which key with the gadgets. I know. I, I must admit, I missed the trick there because I should have pointed out that you've just done a really good promo for the new Bond vehicle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, and I, also you could have said that the Enterprise G even had Q on board at one point in the post-credits scene. But there you go. Never mind. Well, I, I've got to say for both of you, though, guys. I love the fact that Elliot was just kind of, he did the kind of like brief mic drop kind of answers. Jim just filibustered. The reason why he won was he filibustered every answer. It was like a good, it was a speech. It was rousing. Like you got the audience. Yeah, I just talked until people wanted me to shut up. Well, that's pretty much what we've been doing for four years. So why not? (laughs) Your fandom of wrestling, I think, was what won the day there. Um, But anyway, on the other ships round, the ship scenario was about like a a trip, a Kirk, who else was there? There was like early series Bashir, Riker. Riker. Uh, all go back for it, come back from a uh, from shore leave. They've been off to uh, um, uh, the Orion planet and they've come back. And now suddenly an Orion ship is there with some pregnant slave girls wanting to them answers. I thought your answers were pretty good for that one as well. Yeah, well, I got the Quark's treasure. Yeah, which um, I thought was so, going to be one which screwed you, so that was great. No, because it seemed obvious to me that the Ferengis would would just keep the wayward dads and make them pay child support while skimming a bit off the top. That just seems uh, a very good um, way of making profit. 
But yeah, a, a shout. You mentioned Ed, but shout out to Ed who <clears throat> was just phenomenal all weekend. Like it was great in our panel. Looks perfectly like the animated Kirk as well. It has to be. Yeah, and just rocking all the different Kirk uniforms. But I think my favourite moment with him was at the bar on the Saturday night, and everyone was talking about Are you going to the party. And we were talking about, oh, it's got a theme. And Ed said, wait a minute, what's the theme? So it's Ricer. And he went, oh, Kirk on Ricer and just whipped the top off. That was it. Perfect. Kirk on Ricer. And one of his other uh, answers was like, we picked just, and one of the scenarios picked out that hat was, um, you've got to defend Kirk to HR. So I said, Ed, what, oh, sorry, Jim, what have you been up to to, to Kirk, Jim? Uh, and he goes, okay. So what's happened is I'm down on the planet. Um, communications are down. It's me and Spock. And he goes, but it's it's all perfectly innocent. I said, yeah, well, how did uh, Spock being back pregnant then? That's what I want to know. And he just like the more he he the, the longer we got into the game, the more Ed was just throwing out some wonderful things. And yeah, and the was, same with everyone who played. They just everyone in the room was just taking part. So just, yeah. just give that shout out. It was it all just it did fit into the the community thing and like and feel we should shout out the other podcasters that we met there like there was uh trek talk which was great and uh riker's beard did a few panels there uh trekkie's we guy did a few we panels to help them out we're, yeah we, like, we, we, we were especially uh, pleased to help them out with the cocktail uh, <laughs> we well we were able to help them out with a monitor we won't say when we were able to get a monitor at very short notice on a saturday morning but it did go back. <laughs> That's what we will say. It, and it went back. Yeah. So it was know. not from the Hilton, just in case anyone from the, from the Hilton's working. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we did, they did the Quark's mixology where they mixed all the cocktails and let us sample them, which was um, nice. an unexpected treat. Really enjoyed that. We had the teaching everybody cook foo, which was, again... Great fun, but what, what I loved about that was the they actually went into analysis of it rather than just yeah. taking the mic. They looked at the different martial arts styles we've got over Star yeah. Trek, and who knew that Malcolm Reed is actually the toughest yeah. guy in Star Trek of all time? <laughs> yeah, because they played all apart the from when he does that. Yeah, there was a really from... random move which looked like cat's claws. It was yeah, it looked, actually, it looked like um, you're dancing <laughs> in that it episode. Like, you're cordially invited. Yeah, it looked like he was practicing his dancing in front of the mirror between uh, shadow boxing. <laughs> it's great. They played all the clips, and then this guy just broke it down and just like yeah, says it was. I mean, I didn't know I needed that, but it just I really got yeah. into like all and like. You say it's like I wouldn't have thought Enterprise would have been the one, but like they're fine. There you go. Yeah, pretty good. And we also went to the Seed City meetup, which was uh, on the the first night. And again, if you've not checked out Seed City, the it was set up by Alexander Sadig in the early days of COVID as really an experiment that he did to see if he could get to know some of the fans, and it's. It's built into this incredibly loving, supporting community. Yeah. And getting to sort of mingle with them and do the Bashir quiz, which was now, really good. Do we think he'll be he'll turn up see next year, seeing as Andrew's going? 
That would be something to awesome. see, wouldn't it? Can, can we give a shout out to Mel, who's the uh, lady behind Sid City? So, uh, whereas Sid is the name, she's the one who kind of keeps the nuts and bolts, keeps it moving. She was hosting that panel uh, remotely from America. So, we had like some people online, and then we had like A, B, and C, D points uh, to go between to give our multiple choice answers yeah. to this quiz, um, which was funny. Funny how many of us just turned into sheep. Like, if we didn't know the answer, you just followed that. It's funny that uh, none of us noticed that Dr. Bashir is the Harry Kim of DS9. Yeah, that was it. We all thought he'd got promoted, didn't we? But it turns out he didn't. Yeah, the amount of times that um, Alexander Stig specifically has died on screen is just... uh, (laughs) I can't even remember the number. Was it 26? 26. Yeah, I can. If that question ever comes up again, mind yeah. it, it'll probably be in a few more times before we actually uh, get to... And, and I said, it's like, look, I'm not arguing with the answer. I just, as a nerd, I feel the need to ask, does that include, have you taken out the changelings from that? And they go, yep, yep, we have some brilliant. Okay, I just, I just want to know, like, for your edification. I'm saying you have to get the changeling in because it's Alexander Sadiq, not Dr. No, Bashir. But, oh, sorry, no, there was one, there was one where it was like... It, don't worry there was one where it was a double or something I know there was a reason why there was one which I asked about you've got to see him die on screen for it to count I believe Um, so anyway yeah that was fantastic fun the the traders area and everything was brilliant it it was I mean people what happened yeah if if Elliot basically can show you what the trading area looked like before (laughs) he got there well I left a little gap in the trading area. I bought this. Dun dun dun. And this. <laughs> and this. <laughs> oh, I don't know if Jim's done that on purpose, but. And this. And finally, this one. <laughs> oh, I, th- I thought you were doing that on purpose, purpose to give him a uh, the screen. <laughs> I have never ever screen there, I don't know why. I have never ever before seen as many Trek models in one place in this country. Different Trek models. And I could have spent a lot more money if I'd not I'll, control myself. Yeah, I, I got myself a, a, a um Starfleet medical uniform from the Kelvin timeline. I got myself, oh god, one of the best Star Trek badges ever. No need to get a medical one to go with the the, the top. Uh, which was um, magnets, which is very nice. But also, I, gee, I sorry, I wish I brought it up, but it's probably packed somewhere because I'm in the middle of the move. But um, it was one which had the Star Trek um, uh, Delta, but the kind of like roundy bits, like the next generation one, was a dog laid around the badge. Yeah. Just, just mwah, beautiful. Now, my my merchandise story is one of great war. There was a stall there that had just about every Star Trek action figure you've ever seen, and they had the old Playmate set of the Enterprise D bridge, and it had they'd fished out the characters, each of the main bridge crew, and it was up for £80, which is a bargain. And I thought, I can't, no, I, I dithered, I ummed and ahed, and I thought, oh, maybe I'll see if it goes down in price. And, of course, somebody less frugal than me snapped it up, so I missed that. That's why um, I did with my models. I had them put No, nope, you did the right thing. I should. Yeah, and, and frankly, I thought for 
was a hundred quid and it had all the figures in there. It was it was a steal. It was right? eighty pound and it quid, had all yeah. the figures. figures. Yeah, it was and never going to go for less. No, I know that now, <laughs> and <laughs> I I just I I played the long game and I shouldn't have played the long game. So congratulations I'm, to whoever got that. I'm not being funny, but. You were in the wrong place to play the long game with Star Trek. I know I was. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to rub it in a little bit more if you don't mind, mate. And now they've done the StreamYard thing. We can see who said rename it. And it's Emma who ah. who hosted us in hosted that room. Emma. So Hello, Emma. there you go. You're hearing, hearing from, from the organisers that we need to rename it. So... There we Emma, go. You're wonderful. Thank you to you and to all you were. Which you were. You're fantastic all weekend. Uh, can we just, um, amongst the other things, just also shout out to our friends who just turned up randomly. So Jody turned up at one stage in the morning during Top Trumps. Uh, we had uh, Adam came to to join yeah. us in the evening for some partying. Yeah. Adam um, came to join yeah. us. You'll remember him as the guy who had the Pac-Man suit on. It it really went down it legendary. Very very well. It was. Yeah. Yeah, everyone loved the Pac-Man suit. Like the thing is, I think we got desensitized to it uh, uh, where we go to Sci-Fi Weekend, where they kind of uh, there's a few people who've had that design before, and it's kind of the store where it's from is quite popular with that group. There it was it was new material, literally. <laughs> it was so. Yeah, Adam, different suit for the next one in Blackpool. Let's yeah, let's. Adam, uh, but but not the Batman one because that's the only one I've got. So not the Batman one. Any other opera suit is absolutely fine. Well, up until then, my golden spangly jacket, which was tastefully off one shoulder, or <laughs> it was attached by a headband to my harness, which was quite funny. Um, that was the toast of the of the event. Then suddenly he comes in with his Batman suit. Oh, the gold uniform. No, I, I think we've all had experience of being upstaged by Adam, and That's if we hadn't, he wouldn't be happy. So, yeah. But no, it was yeah. absolutely fantastic for him to turn up, and yeah, we just had a, a brilliant time overall. Can we shout out the nightlife as well? Because the nightlife, uh, yes, indeed. I mean, I don't want to boast, but I'm pretty sure my one-handed YMCA was like uh, the, the the highlight of the parties. But you were you were tearing it up. I was tearing up on the dance floor. Um, yeah, so they had two uh, discos on different nights. Uh, the right, second one, after school party things, whatever you like to call it. Um, it was great. And they had a riser theme on the second night. And first, what was the first night one? First uh, night was Fleet Museum. Fleet Museum. Fleet Museum. Um, it was just such a crack. Playing loads of bangers. Um, I especially love the old kind of like uh, 80s tunes and the old kind of like uh, just, just classic dance floor pop and cheese and fun. That was uh, my favorite. If they played we could a bit make... of dance, which pleased uh, other audiences. So they played a nice mix, which is great. If we could make one suggestion, and this is not because we're lazy, but there was only one pop-up bar in the room. So people were drifting yeah. back over to the main bar to get moderate. Yeah. Stick another pop-up bar in there and trust me, that'll that'll do gangbusters. <laughs> so that to be fair, that's probably the Hilton rather than the organizers of the yeah, event that said we put one bar in here. Like to be fair, the Hilton was quite was quite slow at reacting to the queues for bars at getting staff onto them. Like you saw it at lunchtime. And there was people wanting to drink already, and there's one person on the bar. Now, I've started doing my research for the venue next time, which, Bars again, everywhere. 
Yeah, shout out to Destination Trek next year is going to be in Blackpool on July, the last weekend of July, I believe. 26th to 28th, and the hotel there has at least two bars. So (laughs) that's a 100% increase. (laughs) Exactly. So we're moving in the right direction. Also, for the. Sorry. No, just just, uh, can say to the bar thing it's like if if they are going to do another rise of theme as well i think we need to have some mini horgons on sale yeah someone needs to be selling horgons i I just think that that was a missed opportunity myself just don't be the people who have to clean up the day after if there's (laughs) all right all right yeah take your horgon action up to your room if it gets yeah yeah yeah, that's all we're saying yeah okay exactly family show family show well (laughs) not ours theirs not ours theirs yeah yeah yeah. let's make it clear but yeah, to shout out already the guests they've got lined up for next year. As Elliot mentioned earlier, they've got Andrew Robinson, who's just released the audiobook of the Stitching Time, which and it, that's and like the the holy grail of Star Trek audio. It's what people I'll have been wanting for for years and years. Um, they've got uh, Tim Russ already, Commander Tuvok. And I finally get to see him because the last two times I've gone somewhere to see him. That's true. He's had to cancel. So, yeah, yeah Tim Russ is going to be putting in an appearance. And with it being at Blackpool, I'm just wondering if there's any chance someone could ask him to go and comb the beach for survivors and see what, <laughs> see what he might have yeah. to say if that's the case. <laughs> and there was one other big guest that they've already uh, announced, wasn't there? Yeah. Uh, Robert Duncan McNeil. Robert Duncan McNeil, who you two had the the pleasure yeah. of meeting at Sci-Fi Ball yeah, a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, we interviewed him a couple of years ago. Yep, lovely gent. So uh, that'd be absolutely great to see him again, especially considering since you last saw him, he's done loads of work on things like Resident Alien. That's been incredibly he, successful. He never stops working. No, he doesn't. Yeah. He's a, a very busy man. So he's, he's a very prolific director. You don't see so much acting anymore, but he's always on the other side of the camera. Yeah, I, I'd say when we interviewed him, and I'd, I'd love to see him in a kind of uh, full panel here again, um, it was really interesting. He just felt like he was kind of like... Uh, felt like interviewing a director more than an actor yeah mm. very kind of excited very like nothing wrong with that that's just one particular energy whereas directors are more methodically he's kind of was thinking through his answers he was kind of going through because he kind of took us through all the different shows he'd worked on in star trek yeah and kind of what the different energies were on set and he just it was such a full and wonderful answer he gave so yeah I, i'd look forward to that yeah, he's very much gone down the the Jonathan Frakes route of mm. really getting into the directing, which is fantastic. So anyway, I mean, I'm sure we'll we'll talk about it in future weeks and everything, but well, we just wanted to say how yeah, much like, of a great time we've had, had. Like I did some of the photo shoots you two didn't do, and mm. they were great as well. And like yep. one of the highlights of my weekend, I don't know the time here, and I had it blue this weekend and one of the highlights was uh, Nicole just loving the colour of my hair <laughs> and that made it for me it was worth I'm not every, surprised it was all worth every penny of the £3.99 for that pot of hair dye <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is something else that's worth <laughs> shouting out with Destination Trek I mean obviously 
things like autographs, photo shoots, things like that are never going to be free. You know, these events have to make money. But I feel like they were reasonably priced compared to other conventions. I think it was very, very reasonable. Uh, It had a good price. Like, at some conventions, for what I paid for the pre-photos shoots I had, and I got four of them because I did the Dax duo, Ethan and JG. At some conventions, you'd be paying that just for one photo. True. Yeah. Um, Can I also give a shout? Sorry, it just came into my head. Jim, I love the fact that you and some other members who just happen to be out there, great to see your face again, guys. You were great this weekend, as were you, Emma. Thank you, Emma. Yes, you you were... We we would have fallen to bits without all the help well, that you gave us. You were amazing. We were like uh, before our, our panel. She was out there. She was hawking for us. Going it's like hey, she was free, free game in here. It's going to be great. It says Tom Trump's, but it's not. It's not just a card game, man. <laughs> Which okay, yeah, again, I've learned that. I've learned that lesson. Yeah, um, it's the first time I've done it live, so you learn these great lessons. But uh, I just enjoyed it when when we got outside. You guys were having a smoke. And suddenly, I don't know how, if you guys sense each other now or something, but you formed Star Trek Coma Club. There was three or four of you there who had all um, gone into a coma and been resurrected. I think you all need to, oh, just for one meeting, all it for, was... one, for one meeting, you guys I, have to, I, I the felt, next one, come dressed as... Sorry, one second, Elliot. For one meeting next time, you guys have to come all dressed as Spock for the Coma Club. <laughs> yeah, it was... A very unusual Venn diagram to be part of, that at one point there were more people stood in our circle who had been in a coma than hadn't. It was. Yes. I was like, big, okay, big, did you want my broken arm to just look wussy? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Only at a Star Trek convention. But there's no planning, you were just all there. You couldn't plan that. How on earth would you, anyway? You sense each other, I'm telling you. It's a psychic. So, shall we? on the grave. Shall we move on and talk about uh, the episode that we're going to cover this week, which yeah. is the Bar Association from Deep Space uh, Nine, which Elliot suggested. I think I thought yeah. this was really apt this week. Like, we went to Star Trek convention, and it was awkward at times for the guests there because they're not allowed, they are on strike. They're not allowed to talk about Star Trek. You could see them struggling when, with audience questions. The guys on the stage and all that were great interviewing them. They kept completely away, but you're not going to be... You can't avoid that in the same way when you've got someone walks up to a microphone out in the audience and they ask a question, but they were still trying to keep completely off. There's specific rules for cons, wasn't there? The, yeah, there was. The ones, which, which Star Trek's very own Michelle Hurd, Rafi from um, Picard, she actually negotiated with the unions and the actors and everyone and got it so that um, actors are able to attend fan events. And, you know, that that's a phenomenal thing to do, not only because it creates a revenue stream for the actors when they otherwise can't work, but also it means that great events like Destination Trek don't have to be cancelled. So it, it's brilliant that she did that. Yeah, who thought this is the more... I think this is the... I can't think of another union strike episode <laughs> no. of Trek off the top of the head. And, and, I think and, this, and I think this one sums up all the different posi- sort of PowerPoints in a strike. Yeah. Well, really and, clever. 
And it should be added. You, you said like they weren't allowed to talk about Star Trek, but they couldn't talk about any acting jobs. Like it's just, and they still no, made the talks uh, work. Very few. Very few acting jobs. Oh, yes. Yeah. Indie films. They could, could talk about they could talk about some indie things, and there's certain, there were some Canadian productions that uh, just with Canadian studios that are right. struck, they could talk about, but. So very there were very limited. Very limited, yeah. Even um, talk about from the acting back back catalogue. It wasn't just they couldn't talk about Star Trek. They couldn't talk about <laughs> a lot of different and, stuff they've done. And you do get the feeling where uh, in America, one of the first kind of offers which was made by the studios, which was hella insulting, was to say that, oh, well, if we sign this, then we can use uh, infinite uh, extras, just uh, computer generated. Yeah, and there was loads of other things like that. Crazy. And in the UK, uh, they've recently had laws put in place to prevent strike actions after having uh, strike um, strikes by all the unions going, basically. You sort of feel like in America and the UK, uh, they've watched the beginning bit where Quark is working. Yeah. And they faint and go, brilliant idea. Switch the episode off. No, no, there's another like 40 minutes. Of no, no, no. We got the gist. Yeah, funnily enough, this episode, Quark does learn the most important lesson, which is if you pay people right, they won't need to go on strike, yeah. <laughs> um, which I wish certain governments would learn um, a little bit quicker than they are doing. But there we go. So, yeah, it's it does deal with striking. Uh, and I know we talk about this a lot, that you do get the the more right-wing YouTubers at times saying, oh, Star Trek's gone really woke, it's gone really this, really that. This is an episode of Star Trek from 20-odd years ago where a character Thirty. directly quotes Karl Marx. So, Thirty. you know, 30 it's years ago, 30 years old. ago. I know, I know. Speak um, for yourself, so... pit of feet, pit of peak, whatever the film. I, don't, I can't even talk. So, yeah, it, Star Trek's always dabbled in these things. Anyway, so first of all, we, we'll, we'll deal with the B-plot. Worf don't like it on the station and he wants to live on the Defiant, so he goes to live on the Defiant. Right, B-plot done. There we go, that's the B-plot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, there's, there's not a lot. Of, the, the only bit I think's really good out of that plot is where you get Worf going to Odo, and Odo's clearly expected this and pulls out this list of all the security gaffes yeah. on the Enterprise, which I, also, I enjoyed a lot. There's also, like, when he's complaining to O'Brien and going, and, like, he wants things on the Defiant, and he goes, and he's all like, oh, I thought I got that fixed. You have, but I want it better. And stuff. Yeah. But then he's going on about the station how things aren't working and O'Brien's going, Oh, it's brilliant, I love it here. <laughs> and oh, Worf's, yeah, and, and Worf's sort of like, What? What anything's constantly breaking? He goes, Yeah, you've got Bajoran and Kardashian and Federation technology, and none of them were meant to work together and it's always breaking. This station needs me. <laughs> and, and this feels like a nice evolution because he was complaining about the station when he first got there. But then it was. He, he gets that feeling of need. I, I think that works. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. Really well, it's nice. ever since but, he put that sentient AI thing that were his dog inside. Because everyone forgets about this. But that happened in season one and they, yeah. he called it Pup and he put it inside the... 
Never mind, never mind. That's what but, made everything work. But it also, like, almost every time we saw him on TNG, he was in the transport room. And he said, and he references it here, and he goes, I got bored on the Enterprise. I was bored mm. waiting for something to happen. I was just sat around in the same transport room doing nothing all day. Because everything works, yeah. 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 Although if, if Keiko uh, if Keiko rocks, I hate it. I hate it. I hate working all these long hours. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. not doing it on purpose, honestly. <laughs> so speaking of O'Brien, then we've got this is a fairly <laughs> early example, I think, of him and Bashir going on the little adventures in the Hollow Suite. Like we've already seen them do the Battle of Britain, but this one's the, this one's some some Irish battle that O'Brien references and. Clearly, this was meant to be a thing that they would do different battles, but we know from later on, once they find the Alamo, that's pretty much all they do. Yeah. Well, yeah. you've also got to look at, um, are we really going to do a new costume for them every week to not see what they're doing? To just have a little True. conversation that we have to go find this now. And it, oh, maybe I... saw, it maybe felt like a really good idea to somebody at one time in production oh, yeah, this will be great fun that we can have them go to fight this battle and this battle and we can dress them up differently every week and then suddenly you get, hold on, this is costing us X amount every nah, week. Nah, I reckon they had those I reckon they had those outfits in the in the costume somewhere. They, they yeah, might have played that elaborate to put together. But what Elliot says there is what happened with the, the racquetball. Uh, so they introduced that in the episode Rivals, and that was meant to be an ongoing thing. And they went, "Yeah, that's really expensive. What about if they play darts? Like, let, let's do <laughs> yeah. that. That's much easier." Well, that's a specific set. I can't say you could reuse that set for anything else. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> true. Like, I think it would be probably easy to knock up. Is all I'm thinking. But um, yeah, I I also like the fact that I don't know why, but it's like it seemed to me more that. Um, being that he was the manly man, that Miles would be the one who'd get uh, embarrassed wearing all the stuff, but it was actually the doctor. He'd, yeah. Yeah. Unusual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't look happy, um, did he, at the start, the doctor walking in in what he was wearing? Well, he even said, he said, it's like, oh, oh just ridiculous. And like, Miles was yeah. all up for it. It's like, Says I, I, it, I, you know, he goes and plays James Bond on that. I suppose that you're wearing a tuxedo when you do that. Tux. And obviously, he's. He's not playing James Bond for copyright reasons. And it's also later season um, this year. Very different. Yeah. Um, so we kick off the main plot then, and Rom's got a bad ear. And we, we also find out it's the Bajoran time of cleansing, which sounds maybe a little bit like Ramadan or something like that. Yeah. A month of uh, Lent. Lent, yeah, but except it's Lent kind of goes, people go, oh, I'll give up this, I'll give up that, whereas B- the Bajoran Lent seems to be you will give up everything. everything. And there's more Ramadan. No one will do anything. Yeah, it's more Ramadan. Yeah. I think. yeah. And what I like about this one is that the showing seeds really earlier on of the Lita-Rom relationship because at this point, she's still with Bashir, but they are dropping these bits in, like she's the one who's actually concerned about him with his bad ear, and then obviously it collapses. <laughs> do, do you think maybe there should be, though, it felt like a very much, this is what you don't do when you're trying to chat up a double girl. This is what you do do. So this is what you don't do. Hey, but you could rub my ears. Yeah, but I don't think Julian would like it. We could ask him. This is what you don't do if you want to get laid with a duck. <laughs> 
And so later on, look, Rom was playing the long game. And All I'm saying, that, that was his end. best best move. Then when he starts being a heroic, like Union Man, like fighting for what's right, willing to die for the cause. That's what you do if you want to get rid exactly. of that. Exactly. How long after this episode <laughs> is it where later and Bashir actually split up? Oh, not long, because soon we're going to Ricer and Wolf's yeah. headbutting people to death. So it's not it's not long at all. Um, then we find out all this stuff about Ferengi labor laws, which is basically you don't get sick pay, you don't get time off, you don't get holidays, you don't get vacations. <laughs> yeah. You get you absolutely have, well, you nothing. Have, you, can, you, you can have time off, but there's no such thing as holiday pay. Yeah. <laughs> Which I and, think is still very rare in America. Like, I don't think there's law about it, certainly. Yeah, it's very much that. Uh, but the do like their minimum wage people are probably really struggle to ever go on a holiday. Oh, good, but yeah. So, like, so like the middle class earn enough money that you can put X amount aside. Every, well, every every month to be able to afford a holiday, but you don't. So you can take two. I think you take so many weeks off, but you don't actually get paid for it. You kind of like how it. self-employed people over here have to do it. Like you, yeah. you've got to make sure you earn enough when you are working to justify taking well, the. Well, I mean, let's look at the um, the fact that often uh, we British get mocked for not tipping enough, but. In this country, there's a culture. There's they get the pay for a, um, a waitress is a waiter is enough it's, for them to uh, to live yeah. off. Whereas half of the, I think it's half. Like it certainly is a large chunk of the earnings in America are based on them getting tips. They're not even yeah. guaranteed enough wages to live. No, exactly. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. Right. I didn't tell you about this, Elliot. On our way home from Birmingham, went in a service station, got a, a bottle of Pepsi, and I was saying. Yeah, that service station in you fact. Went went, it's just I, the way that you said I, I went in a service station. We went in a service station. I went I, to the shop in there, whereas you went um, to the, the Burger King, I believe. Anyway, <clears throat> so I, I took the bottle of Pepsi up this gander. I went to tap my card, and on the card reader it said, do you want to all, leave a tip? All the time. All the time in shops. I was like, is this a joke? Head. What am I Every, leaving tip for? Like, come off it. Everywhere you go, now it does that. Uh, if you go in, uh, like, Tesco's to get something, it goes, do you want to round this up? If you go to McDonald's, do you want to round this up? When I go to get my prescription, do I want to round it up? In, in fairness, those last three, I think, that you mentioned are for charity. I'm not saying that... that no, no they all, were just, they do you want to leave a tip? Like, no, no, but I'm, I'm not, saying in, in Sainsbury's it doesn't say no, do you want to leave a tip. Fair it's, enough. Like, it's for charity to run. Right, I'm not being funny, tip. but considering you've just charged me three bastard quid for a bottle of Pepsi, no, I do not want to leave a tip. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm just saying, anyway. like, in some of the shops, it's not for tips, it's for charity. But, but I just think, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. Right. I, I just think it's wrong. Fair enough. That these places are doing it like that all the time on everything you purchase. And that's why... Yeah. Uh, and I bet the workers don't see it, whereas I would support a union 
but um, you know the workers need to see the tips. That's always that's why I don't like, like it at restaurants like, where they're like, "Do like, you want to put it on the thing?" I'm always like, "Does the waiter actually I, get I, it?" I refuse to because I worked in catering and never saw the service. There you go. You see, although I made sure the the uh, uh, waiter once saw the tip, saw just the tip, and I got thrown out that restaurant. Doesn't where surprise the that's different. That's why <laughs> most places we go, your pictures up behind the bar. Anyway, um, so Bashir's the first one to mention the union, but O'Brien kind of jumps on it. I will tell you the story now, about the union. Don't you like how, in what well, we're on, first five minutes of this episode, we've got O'Brien's ancestor was the king of Ireland who yes. got in this battle. O'Brien's ancestor was the head of the union in uh, Philadelphia. <laughs> You don't yeah. think O'Brien's telling fibs, do you? Do you think it's that sort of, like, exaggeration and stuff? I think and... it's like the Chekhov thing where he used to say everything <laughs> yeah. was invented in Russia. Little Russian old lady. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I, I was just offended he moved it from Ireland over to, to America. True, yeah. I yeah. suppose the idea is his family migrated, but then that doesn't explain why O'Brien's got such a strong not Irish saying, accent. Anyway. I'm not saying out about Americans, it's just, you know, a part of Irish heritage. Yeah, well, yeah, but that's why O'Brien's ancestor got killed for it, because it was trying to be a union <laughs> man in America. That's a little bit more dangerous than it is of it. No disrespect to our American friends, but, you know, it's not unions... Uh, pretty much the standard over here, whereas I know well, it's... Not cost- like no, the fact you did a lot of breaking well, in the yes. 80s. They're not the same as the work. Not the same, but... But you they, can see they... that going full circle if, if this continues, what's happening. Absolutely. Um, we'll try not to get on our political soapbox too much when we talk about this episode. Too late. But, um, so they present the demands to Quark, who laughs at them, and this does lead to a strike. Yeah, And what I love about it is that straight away they do form the picket line. The only thing I don't like about that, though, is that they're bribing people not to go in. Well, I, I just thought this is uh, typical Ferengi, that they were handing people a tip, uh, yeah, bribe them to break the picket line. They've but almost it, got how it works. It, it, it's a Ferengi picket line, so the Ferengi are acting like Ferengi on the picket line. We want you to do something. He's a bribe to do what we want yeah. to do. Whereas we at Retrek, apart from handing badges to every member of the audience and stickers and pens, we never do that. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> um, so, yeah, then the quacks, I, I thought this was really... So, obviously, we've talked about the episode's prescient in terms of, like, looking at strikes, and it's it's very topical at the moment, but... Quark trying to replace the workforce with AI waiters. That's very prescient as to what's going on with the actors' strike specifically at the moment. I thought this was interesting because he's got the holograms going all around the bar. So that means he must have holo projectors for the Mm. entire bar previously. So how many times is he using holo projectors on the Dabo wheels and stuff? Yeah, or to make it look like the bar's fuller, or yeah. maybe he's letting. Yeah, we, you know, we, you. we'll try to keep it reasonably family friendly, but maybe he's letting certain characters come out of the hollow suites to try and lure people up uh, to the hollow I, suites I, I potentially. Exactly, I can tell you exactly when he had them fitted. 
It was right after he failed to get the uh, hollow sweet imaging of Kira. He then just oh, yeah. them everywhere. So it's like, ah, I've got everyone now. That yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. all in one. It can scam people in the yeah. Yeah, he's got us all nude in there. Once you've been in Quarks, you never get out. Yeah. Now, this was a bit weird, and this is the only point they try and tie the A and B plot together that were led to believe that O'Brien, Bashir, and Worf end up having a bit of a scrap in Quarks over the strike, which... Well, Quarks uh, was, was, was a scab. <laughs> yeah, you see, well, it when... wasn't, so he doesn't work there. Yeah, I but think it, it was dishonorable. It, like... it, like, it, it sort of like it went in, and it's like O'Brien said... But he doesn't even like Quark. Why is he going in? And... That, that's, yeah, that's what really confused me. I, do, I don't get why Worf did it. That's dishonorable. That doesn't seem mm. like him. And he, and also, speaking of dishonorable uh, Federation kind of tactics, you, know, you got Cisco there proving once again he's anti Ferengi. He's Ferengi racist. No. We've seen in other episodes. I w- right, I'll cover up. I'll well, I, I've got an argument on this, but I'll let you go one. first. I'll do all this in one. Oh, here we go. Yeah. We have four pe- four sets of people here. So we have Quark, who's the business owner. We have Rob, who's the employee. So he's striking against business owner. We have Cisco, who's taking the place of the government and yep. how you how you relate to the strike. And Cisco, at this in this, has decided that he's going to be on the side of the workers. But then you have uh, when Brunt comes in. Brunt is a uh, the establishment and he just he wants the status quo what has been happening and he doesn't care what the workers get or what quark gets and he will just make sure that things continue the way they always have done yeah but then none of that just proves my point which is this with cisco he like we've seen we we've seen him being a Ferengi racist before. He he, he often tosses out random comments. He even gets chance. I do actually like in season three when they challenge him on this and they go and Quark does Quark of course being manipulated, but he does point out how he's being anti Ferengi in his kind of sentiments. Uh, but in this one, I think it's like he calls him up. He like interferes, which really feels unstuck. Like I would have thought Starfleet would run stick right out of this because this goes to the laws and the kind of the rules of acquisition, which are the laws of the land for Frangi. So they're getting involved in another well, world's kind of thing, which is none to none of the business. I and he's opted not to charge him rent. I don't think you can then go after like how many years, like going, yeah, we're gonna charge you back rent. I don't think that works. Well, um, he's not yeah, uh, not consulted the Ferengi at all in this. He's just gone straight to work. And then he's tried to kind of like bring in Ferengi's values once he's flying in the face of Ferengi by saying about he's going to uh, hurt him in the pocket while he's trying to argue against them doing that. Mm. Yeah, I thought it was... I thought I like Cisco in this because Cisco doesn't play... I didn't part. say I didn't like him. I'm just saying Cisco, his character. Like Cisco supporting the strike. Cisco wants his station running normally, and in it, he also needs to buy for his R and R. Yeah, yeah. Let me separate two things. I so, enjoyed his performance. I enjoyed so, the the reasoning, but I'm just saying in 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 but, world, but and frankly, yeah. But you, he's using that. He's hitting Quark. He wants the the strike sorting, and he's yeah. gone to Quark. You sort it, and. Quark's argument is that he's not making enough money. That's why he's cutting all the wages and stuff. That's starting mm-hmm. the strike in the first place. And Cisco's going, hang about. What you've got no overheads on this place. 
So why are you cutting their wages? If yeah. No overheads. I it, took it, it doesn't, as... doesn't dispute anything I've said, but it's all correct. No, it doesn't. No. I, I, I feel no. like well, this well, was a bit of a gambit from Cisco. I'm not sure he would have done this. I think I he's just... Think I think he's just trying to manipulate Quark, which yes. he has done before, to get him to fall in line. And it, he's right that Quark can afford to pay them, but I, I think Cisco would have stopped short of charging him back rent. Oh, oh it, what was he up to do with it if he got it? Well, exactly. It, I mean, I, I suppose there's a, a more broad point I'm making, which is more, it's kind of funny that until much later, well, later on in Deep Space Nine, they start to address it a bit, and then in other series, but it's like, Starfleet is all about accepting other races until they're like Ferengi and they're so different to our morals that we disagree with mm-hmm. them. It feels like they kind of give up on the Ferengi and it only gets stressed later. I, I, I think that shows throughout. There's no attempt to bridge that gap. Uh, no, there's very, very little. Um, then we do see like other tactics come in. So Quark's first thought is, right, I won't meet their demands, but I'll bribe Rom specifically, well, so after, I'll go for Brunt, the leader. Well, this is after Brunt's coming in yeah. and, and gone. And, you and this, this. this does happen in real life. People, people in higher up think, right, it's all about money, so I'll appeal to the greed of the leader of the strike. And the, the reason it doesn't work, I'm sure it has, but the reason it doesn't is because a union bands together. You can't offer to pay one person more yeah. and not the others. And Rom does well. And this is where he quotes Karl Marx, which I'm surprised more people aren't making a hoo-ha about it. If you did that in a modern trek show, the internet would explode. <laughs> well, modern treks work. It never happened back then. Well, that's it, exactly. <laughs> And I love the the strike, the guy who's striking who breaks immediately, the Frego, who just falls on his knees and like, I'm old, I can't do it. <laughs> but I do like I, I do like I do like when Grunt's threatening them and he's going, I'll uh, we'll seize all your profits on Ferengana. And Rum just goes, Would any of you actually be here working like for yeah. in this bar? If you had anything on Ferengana. Exactly, yeah. It's all empty threats, but I suppose it's one of them where it's just appealing to or playing on the Ferengi instincts of going, I'll freeze your money. And it's, oh, I don't want to freeze money. Yeah, but you haven't got any, so it doesn't yeah. matter, you know? Well, the whole thing of this is like when it starts, like when you have what the working conditions for Ferengi are, but you also have the aspirations because Rom says mm. it, that, well, we aspirate to be the guy uh, who's get at the top who's abusing everyone. Yeah. That's what we're working towards. We're not working to better everyone. We want to be the guy who, on top who's skimming off everyone else. Which is, again, trying not to get too political, but... Anybody who tells you that the poorer people paying more tax and the richer people paying less tax, if they, what they are trying to do is to get you to have that Ferengi mindset. You're not working hard enough. Oh, well, if I work harder, I'll be one of the rich ones and I can pay less (laughs) tax. And they want you to not question what's going on. Is that the Ferengi dream? That is the Ferengi dream. And it may be the dream of, 
certain other political entities that I, I won't name at this very second. But have a think if you've heard anything like that recently and have a think why they want you to think that. Anyway, I'll get off can't my soapbox now. Can't think of anything that apparently... I think, I think a lettuce had something to say about that. Quite possibly. Um, and then, yeah, Brum then shows, like, like you said, Elliot, that he just wants the status quo, so he's not on Quark's side. No. He's on the side of keeping he, everything he, how it is. So if I have there, to threaten he's, Quark... He's there to resolve things, not to... Not just he's not there to end the strike. He's there to make things as they were. That absolutely, we don't we don't have unions. We don't have strikes. Where if you're angered, these don't exist. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that almost feels like it brings in um, more authoritarian countries. Uh, you know, it, so it's it, there's almost yeah. like an extra bit of social commentary just thrown oh. in there. The only thing I, I like the story that it's telling about the strikes um, and the union. The only thing I don't really like is the resolution that it, the agreement is we'll meet all the demands, but you must disband the union. I would have liked it for Rom to dig his heels in at that point and say, no, we'll much like he says to Quark, well, you can fiddle the books so the FCA don't know about it. I would have liked Rom to have said, we will officially disband it, but you should know there is a union at this bar now. And if we need to speak to you again, we will do. Also, I'd like to throw in, it's kind of interesting that all the way along, uh, a lot of what Quark does is to protect his brother, Whereas mm. all the way through, Rob's like, well, if Rob, if, if Quark gets hurt, he gets hurt. You know, he kind of like, yeah. I think Quark's actually the better brother, funnily enough, even though he's the evil businessman, just on a brother level. Rob's a bit shitty. Like, even at the end, he kind he of like quit telling him. After well, he's bear in mind, Rom, you know, if you go back to season two, Rom, when someone tries to kill Quark, Rom's... Rom's not averse to the idea no. of Quark dying because yeah. he gets the bar. It's just an interesting thing which isn't really addressed in the episode that he's really shitty towards Quark, whereas Quark tries to save him, even though Quark is the... He's, he's I think he's just like, reached his breaking point, hasn't he, Rom, at this point? point. Uh, he's, and he does right back in Quark's face and he goes, that is the point where Quark said it out loud, you're not my brother at work, you are just an employer. Employee. Mm. Well, Quark says that earlier, doesn't he? So he yeah. turns it back on him. And then it finishes with Rom leaving, joining the Bajoran thing, uh, which obviously is going to... Yeah, it's a good thing for Rom's character. It also kind of lets Quark off the hook a little bit. You wonder how long is it going to be before he thinks, right, Rom's gone, there we go. Yeah. Um, but you can see, and this is why Amon Shimmerman's such a great actor... That he, he's proud that Rom's done this. It's he, he knows Rom isn't the best traditional Ferengi. He knows that Rom can do better than working behind the bar, but his hands are tied yeah, by Rom Ferengi traditions. Rom, Rom hasn't got the lobes. <laughs> no, he hasn't, and, and he's abused these lobes as he admits to later. <laughs> yeah, and you I've can got, tell Quark's actually secretly. He's he's secretly really proud of Rom for this, and that ties into like some of the Dominion War episodes we looked at later, 
Um, that's the thing with us jumping about. You can see where seeds are laid yeah. that pay off much later. So I would have liked liked it not. I don't like the implication that once the union's done its job, it can disband. No, come on, things change. That's why it's always needed. But well, other than also, that, this is also a Ferengi union. Exactly, so, yeah, actually, baby steps. I'll kind of, yeah, I was going to say, I'll throw out that it's um, something which Barack Obama finally have said. It's like uh, the, the road of justice does not always uh, continue in a, in a smooth arc. Or it's something like this. It's basically yeah. meaning it's like it doesn't just go always go in one direction. Sometimes you get pitfalls, sometimes you get rights rolled back, and sometimes you get a wonderful moment like this, but it doesn't lead to a union straight away. It might later lead to that. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Now, now the precedent's been set, and... You know, spoilers for anyone who's not seen the end of DS9. Rom becomes the Grand Nagus, so maybe Ferengi unions <laughs> might be something that not on, that, not on Quark's part. The walk by his not in Quark's part, or in indeed in any of the franchise <laughs> that we now know stretches across the galaxy. So I like that Quark ends up getting exactly what he wanted. Um, yeah, it's it's a good episode, and I think when you consider how long ago it was. And that it's American it's primetime TV telling a story about unions where they're not demonised, I, I think is a very good and thing. It's quite poignant at the moment because of what's happening in yeah, the UK. Yeah, absolutely. It was a, I, I wouldn't have thought, uh, this one wouldn't have sprung to mind, but yeah, great call, Elliot, to, yeah. Yeah, to bring is this Is there one, one of the unions striking in the UK or has been recently? I, uh, I've heard whispers. Uh, a lot more than what have been put in the media. But, Sorry, uh, wait, 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 whispers. There's even the chocolate bar union whisper. <laughs> Probably. I'll tell you what is on strike it's, and it's Sean Whisper what's Gold. Been... I want to see him back in the shops. I don't like this. Ooh, the limited edition. No. Whisper Gold should be staple chocolate. Get it back in the shops. I am not buying a multi-pack of normal there's whispers. Been a, there's been a huge amount of unions in the private sector that have won. And all this happened last year. It's all happened over last year. And so they've won all the pay demands and everything. And bonuses. But none of it's in the press. Because you can't show your uni unions are doing well. The only ones that are, that are sort of impressed in the public sector where the government has something to do with it. And there we go. And if, you know, I'm sure you can discover these things if you need to, if you look in the right parts of the internet and everything. But anywho, we will, as I say, I think, I think anyone who's listened to us for a while probably knows where we stand on these things. <laughs> Just slightly uh, to the left of left. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to bring out what you're talking. I know I, I know I don't like that, but it's like it just seems so on point to what we're all saying. Yeah. Unions are, need, are always needed. Yeah. Yeah, Jordan. Absolutely. Um, so I think we'll wrap up the episode there. Um, to reiterate, Destination Trek, we loved it. Strongly um, recommend I, it to anybody I, I am planning out the con schedule next year. On us. Uh, retreat page. Yep. So if you, if you envy the Mate Cardassia strong again, I think there's only five in the world of them at the moment. Great. So three. Three? Oh, I thought only we did hours. extras. No. no, only hours. There you go. Yeah. So if you want to make Cardassia strong again, hat. I am working on getting it 
so the link will work for some I'll tell you what at the very day. least and I will commit to this now we'll make one for Emma for next year we will yeah and, and, and also like badges I'm sure we could produce those at some point like we oh, only got a oh, few yeah, left mate, we think strong can, again yeah. badges oh no I was yes. just thinking of the retrack ones but those two yeah yeah we can do that anyway um if you want to get in touch with us we'll be we're having a, a week off next week we are, yeah. um post convention and dr squeeze moving and um, but then we'll be back the following week with a couple more dominion war episodes which i worked it out we've only got 13 weeks left of dominion war my god that's yeah most of which is season seven um and they were doing under a pale moonlight as a duck as like a full oh forgot we were doing that we've got 14 weeks left (laughs) what about the episode where we've got 26 episodes (laughs) um and then the week after that lower decks returns to our screens which anyone who did wasn't listening back when we did lower decks what we do with lower decks is with it being a half hour show we only take half the episode talking about it and we don't decide what the other episode we're going to cover is until the last minute. Basically, we watch Lower Decks, and there will be obscure references to other Trek shows. And because we there's cover twenty or thirty in an episode. <laughs> we cover whatever episode that points us in the direction. And we, of and, to, and we always go for one we haven't yeah. covered previously. And, and, and what was sometimes really it's wonderful, could... sometimes less so. God, there was one like where they had two or three weeks in a row, they were just referencing the most turkey episode. Great for comedy, not so great when we then have to cover those damn episodes. Yeah, oh, yeah it was... At least we covered them then. <laughs> we did, we did. Yeah, the week where it was like, we're going to have to cover masks, aren't we? Yes, yeah. we are. <laughs> anyway, so that's what we're doing for the next few weeks. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, we are at Retrek Pod on whatever those services are called these days. Where reach excellent minute by retrekpod at gmail.com. You can find Elliot on YouTube with Retrek Model Studios, where I think that'll probably be running for the next hundred years, going on what you bought at the convention. Yeah, uh, this weekend I'll have the lighting finished in the engine and that video up, and then I'm starting to put it all together. So there's probably three possibly four more videos in that series fantastic and then dr squee what have we got going on on the dr squee show well first of all kingy's toy box at youtube.com oh kingy's toy box at youtube i haven't i haven't got any new toys funnily enough i spent all my money at a star trek convention so on the first day when you saw it i know if i had have done we'd have had a great episode to tie (laughs) into retrek but i didn't well Uh, i'm just gonna say that uh dog squeeze show is going dark it's gone dark this week well originally it was because because i'm moving and stuff and like with the convention and everything no covid as well so uh yeah next week i'm gonna take a move a week off for moving and then i'll be back early september but please in the meantime go to drsquee.com or youtube.com slash drsquee where you can check out uh all the back episodes we've got loads of fun videos with for instance two interviews with alexander sadik come on oh i don't know why i went oh i knew about that but um... <laughs> you've gone <Ooh. laughs> yeah and um if you are also a big fan of wrestling as well as star trek I'll be appearing on the Magic of Wrestling podcast this weekend talking about British independent wrestling 
And then I will be attending AEW All In, which is now officially the biggest wrestling event of all time. <coughs> so that's going to be a load of fun. Unless, of course, you believe the statistics that the WWE puts out. But that's another story. Anyway, um, thanks for trekking with us this time. And we will see you next time on the Retrek. Thank you. Goodbye. Drag off an LLAP! Star Trek Destination! Trek Destination! Destination Trek! Destination.